and then um, want to get the information out about the vigil tonight, but also any programs that you are working on to address these issues. And then just to let the, the people, our listeners know what specific issues we're addressing and why it is so important that they understand the background and are educated about this. So, um, uh, Evangelist Holzendorf, would you like to start first? Uh, yes, good evening, and I'm sorry I missed your name. Martina Peterson. Marquita, uh, it's so nice to meet you, and thank you so much for uh, allowing us this opportunity uh, to be on uh, to speak about something that affects all of us, and that is, uh, uh, well, violence, but uh, we know that violence doesn't just cause itself. There, there are reasons for that. I am the uh, executive director of Vancouver uh, for Kansas City, and we are not an organization. We are a movement. And uh, our uh, mission is to help the community to become a resource uh, for each other and for itself. And, and the way we do that is by uh, working with other organizations and entities who have like missions. Uh, right now, we are uh, involved with the houseless situation because, as you know, uh, back in the winter, we had two persons who froze to death. So we're working with uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas and uh, City Manager Brian Platt and our, our other uh, uh, organizations to try and, and uh, develop a social service wraparound program and service plan that will uh, provide permanency for our houseless community. And also, uh, we, we are identifying causes of violence. Uh, we know that prayer is very important. Uh, we need divine intervention because we are in trouble down here. Um, but we also understand that there are root causes of violence. And so we have identified some of those causes, the hopelessness, the oppression, the discrimination, being socially isolated, economically deprived, living, uh, being controlled by systems. The family has, has, has been destroyed purposely and, and intentionally. And so families being destroyed and systems coming in and taking over uh, people's lives, uh, poverty, unemployment and underemployment, low-wage jobs, lack of quality education, young-age parents without having uh, the, uh, the proper support, peer influence, uh, broken, as I said earlier, broken families. Uh, you destroy the family, you destroy the community. Drugs brought into communities that uh, already suffered economic uh, deprivation, and so then you flood that community with drugs, and you get, uh, particularly in the, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in our community, in black communities, where our unemployment rates were already so high, we lack health care. Uh, we suffer from traumatic stress brain development. That has gone untreated. We lack health care. So uh, what we're doing is we're dealing with identifying not just the effects of violence, but the causes, and that's what we're working on by working with others and prayerfully seeking uh, divine uh, guidance and divine intervention. Uh, I won't go on and on because there's so many things that, that we could talk about, but I do appreciate uh, this opportunity just to kind of touch bases and, and, and to uh, provide just a little bit of information. We, we're dealing with the legacy of trauma, the context of the African-American existence. Um, and we do a weekly uh, Facebook Live with uh, Sister Janae Relford Davis and Pastor Gail McMason, uh, Sankofa Facebook Live at 12 noon uh, every first Tuesday. So those are some of the things we're doing, and we will be up on Prospect at 621. Uh, of course, we're prayerful all the time. I try, and I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to maintain an attitude of prayer because I, I know that uh, we can't do this alone. We, we have to have uh, the power uh, that's greater than us to help us. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and I'll, I won't take up any more. Time. Well, I'd like to take this moment. You should uh, be familiar with me, M.C. Richardson. Yes, M.C., I do remember you. How <laughs> are you? Money Fowler is going to say, we can't let the women run everything today's show. <laughs> but we appreciate you. Like James Brown would say, nothing would be without a, a woman. We say it's a man world. I'm just throwing that in there. I might get some kickback for you guys, but since it's uh, even 4th of July, I won't go out with a bang, okay? And the other ladies, like uh, Cassandra Wainwright, I didn't just meet you.
have the honor of, I'm the moderator of Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City, and we have uh, one of our top uh, co-hosts, which is uh, Judge uh, Martina Peterson. Now, ladies, go ahead and proceed. All right, I just want to throw out a few statistics, uh, since uh, Angela Holzendorf did, did present the concern about, um, and she threw out some specific and, and very serious reasons why we need to be addressing some of these issues and also causes of them, uh, which are going to have some long-term solutions because they're not short-term problems. They didn't just start yesterday. She's correct. It's built over years. But according to the information uh, from the police website, uh, we have had some violent years and some violent crime in, in the black community that we need to address, and that's what this program um, that they're having this evening is designed to address. Back in 2020, we had 176 homicides in Kansas City, and in 2021, uh, so far as of June 30th, we've had 116. So it looks like we're at a higher rate than we were last year, which was a record-breaking year. In 2019, we had 148, and it's been over 100 for, for a long period of time. In 2015, it was 110. But the concerning information isn't the number of homicides. It's the number of individual uh, victims that are the, the uh, victims of a homicide. Of the 176 homicides we had in 2020, 118 were black males. And of the suspects of those particular homicides, 115 were black males. 88 of them were gun-related um, homicides or murders. And the reason, 56% of them were because of arguments. So there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of friction, there's a lot of discouragement, disruption in the, in the community with the young black males that we need to address. Because in 2019, of the 148 homicides, 99 were black males, and 85 of the black males were suspects. Uh, 93 were because of guns. So there is a correlation with drug issues, not drug issues, gun issues, and then also black-on-black um, -black crime that we need to address and the frustrations of our young men out there and what they're going through, which is what um, Evangelist Offendorf stated, is, is the reasons. There's problems in the, in the family. There's problems with incarceration of black males. There's problems with education. And there's statistics to support all of this that we can get into later. But I would like to ask um, Leah Banks. Um, she is uh, the co-chair of the Youth and Education Task Force. Unfortunately, uh, homicide is the leading cause of death for black males 10 to 24, and I'm sure you all are addressing this issue in, in specific ways. Do you want to talk about your background, your organization, and some of the things that you all are working on to, to help address this issue? Yes, uh, and thank you for having me. Uh, I hope I'm coming through okay. Um, a few of the things that I'm working on right now is just to uh, solicit the young people to come forward, and I have put a age uh, group together, which is 10 to 25, um, to let their voices be heard in terms of coming out to every event that I can uh, facilitate one and that I know that is going on around our city so that um, if there are things that we are missing, um, I don't want just a, a program to be put together and handed to young people. I think that they are just um, lacking, you know, their voices to come forth and, and sit down at those particular tables in order to uh, have their voice and say, this is what we want, this is what we need. Um, and just putting those uh, pieces together in terms of a youth board and having our youth, you know, at the table, I think it's very, very important that we all, you know, start to look inward and, and create these things, um, mostly starting in the schools. And I think um, there has been so many roadblocks with getting into, you know, certain schools. I know that they have a lot going on, but there is a thing that's happening after school, before school, and these young people are, are definitely, um, you know, falling prey to, you know, the violence and um, either perpetrating, you know, crimes themselves or uh, falling victims, you know, to those particular crimes. 
So I think it's very important that we put together, you know, and invite, invite, invite our young people to be at these particular tables when we're having these discussions, number one. Um, my organization, Portland Scholars, that is one thing that we are committed to creating opportunities and partnerships for youth that will give them the experience um, that they need to be uh, confident um, for them to be able to build uh, better communities. I think I am putting uh, most of my energy, now that I am retired, um, and have been in previous years, into the youth because I can definitely see the change when you get a cycle or two of kindergartners and look at how they are growing and developing up on through uh, high school and in college as well. Um, I've had the opportunity to look at what that looks like. And then those particular graduates from high school are coming back and putting their particular children, you know, into school systems as well. They're seeing a difference in what the atmosphere was like in school. One of the things that has uh, definitely is passionate to my heart is the restorative justice pieces. Um, you can't just keep putting young people out of school um, where they definitely need to be, um, and we have to start working through some of those things and trying to address the behaviors. And um, I don't think that those things are um, consistently done. Uh, I think that those things could possibly, uh, you know, use some tweaking. I'm not saying, uh, looking at that from uh, one lens of this is what all schools are doing, because of course I cannot speak um, about what every school is doing, but I think that there can be a lot more to balance out when we get more schools at the table to work with the organizations rather than um, on their own. So those are some of the things that we are uh, doing that um, for our youth, for our task force, um, in terms of the Concerned Clergy uh, Coalition. And I will have to say, um, at, from nine years of being a family court commissioner, the one issue that I would see over and over again was 90% of the children that would come up in front of me with delinquencies is the fact that they were not in school or they were not consistently going to school. They were suspended all the time or they were just not going to school because they weren't made to go to school and there was no structure um, in their life and there was no ability for them to get some education so they can get a decent job as well. And so um, that is something that we do appreciate you working on because that is a, an area in the community that, that is lacking that needs to be worked on significantly with our, our young young kids. MC, do you have any questions or issues that come uh, Well, I'm enjoying just listening to the ladies, and hopefully I wish they would have told all their friends or text them to tune into the station because this is information everybody needs to listen to. If they will orientate the people what's going on. And the other thing, a lot of people say, I wish somebody would have asked me, how can I volunteer? We have to get the word out to our people on a on continuous basis. Okay, and we will give uh, you an opportunity at the end of the show to throw out contact information for them to reach out to you and also your program so people can participate in the program, know what's out there and how to reach you. Um, there are a little bit of information as far as um, issues uh, that, that um, African Americans do address in, in the community uh, that is frustrating or, or is uh, what we've been dealing with for, for, for decades. Uh, one of the studies, um, and this is out of London, but it still pertains to, to our community as well, the 70% of the offenders that uh, got into trouble or had legal issues with children, they came from one parent household. And then again, that was also addressed uh, by Evangelist Colchendorf and also the things that sometimes they don't have the, the parental support because the parents have to work and we don't have a support system in the community for some of the kids. Uh, there is a concern about how... Um, uh, African-American children, particularly males, are addressed in the educational system. And I saw that firsthand as a commissioner, they were suspended at a higher level um, because of concerns with uh, at dealing with authority, just not wanting to address some of the behaviors that they had because they didn't know how to communicate that they were struggling and it wasn't something that was encouraged to do. Uh, there's also a higher arrest rate and um, incarceration rate of, of young males and black males. Um, black males are 34% of the prison population. 
in the United States when the United States black population is 3.49%. And that is a, a popu- that is a statistic that is consistent throughout every state in this country. And uh, there's also a concern about upward mobility and um, and employment was also mentioned that um, black males earn $378 less a week than white males. And so um, there's a concern about getting a job, keeping a job, and even upward mobility and management. Uh, young males do not normally get promoted as much as, as other individuals and other races and even other sexes. And then there's a stigmatism about mental health. It's not encouraged for young black men to get assistance or help to deal with mental health issues. And so they struggle in that area as well. Uh, which brings me to, uh, to Pastor Wainwright. You all are working on trying to bring awareness to some of these issues that cause violence in the community. And uh, I want you to talk a little bit about the vigil tonight, your program and background and history, and some things that you all are going to be working on in the future to address these issues as well. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Judge Martina Peterson. It's so wonderful to uh, have this opportunity with both you and MC Richardson. I appreciate all of the years of service that you all have provided in our city. Um, today is a culmination of an initiative that was uh, envisioned by Dr. Vernon Howard and SDLC uh, called 21 Days of Peace. And what it was intended to be was a way of extending a clearing house to our community, our Kansas City community, to for us to be extremely sensitive and serious about doing something about violence in our city. Uh, as you read out those uh, dreadful statistics of what exists in, in Kansas City already today, uh, we wanted to do something that would draw attention to the need for our community to collaborate to partner, to join forces, because we recognize that we are stronger and we're better when we can work together. And so this initiative started June 13th, and it culminates today at midnight, July 3rd. What happened when Dr. Howard even announced that, it was no more than maybe eight hours after that announcement of this initiative that there was a homicide on uh, Linwood off of Cypress, I believe it was, where a father killed the mother of his children and the three children witnessed the homicide. And then no more than an hour later, we heard uh, the news that there was another shooting on the northeast side of the city, close to Sheffield Family Worship Center. And to hear that and to know the impact impact of what is happening in our city that continues to happen where black lives are impacted, and even if it wasn't black lives, it's any life that is adversely affected and what happens to one impacts many. And so we wanted to, uh, we've had for 21 days, we've had Zoom prayers that have gone forth at 6.21 p.m. every day uh, with leaders, community leaders, faith leaders, just offering up prayers uh, on behalf of our community. And in the 21 days, we realized uh, from the statistics that there have been, I think, nine homicides that have occurred in these 21 days. And those are, those are hard statistics, those are hard realities that we're having to face as a city. And as you said, our black males are being impacted. Not only are they being perpetrators of violent crime and being incarcerated at high rates, they are also being victims where their children are being left fatherless, uh, their parents are being left childless. I mean, so much of an impact is being made in our beloved community because of it. And so we wanted to hold this collaborative event this evening called Pray on Prospect as a way of climaxing the 21 Days of Peace. And we have asked community 
to join us on the east side of Prospect, all the way from Lexington and Prospect, going all the way to 81st and Prospect. So just come out, post up for one hour from 621 to 721 p.m. and let us pray collectively as a city to stand against the spirit of violence that is operating, ravaging our community, uh, destroying our families, uh, and, and wreck, wrecking havoc in our city. So tonight, again, from 621 to 721 p.m., we have invited Kansas City to join us on the east side of Prospect Avenue. And anyone who seeks peace in the streets of Kansas City is welcome to come out and be a part. Individuals have to bring chairs because they're not able to stand that entire time. If people cannot be there in person, we're asking that they would pray from wherever they may be, whether that's in their cars or in their homes. And we know that it is uh, the 4th of July weekend, of course, so we're asking people for one hour of their time to come out and let us pray together. You know, hopefully, this is MC Richardson, hopefully the word is spreading about uh, what you're doing tonight, and not only tonight, but ongoing. But I want to kind of change the subject slightly, because there have been over 600,000 deaths because of the virus, and how many of the people, and so our people are the one are kind of hesitant to go get their vaccination. Uh, and also, uh, a lot of people are not voting or register to vote. We just think things going to happen. And I know that you three ladies, I know I met two of you for sure, that I know you keep passing the word, and a lot of people should follow you guys' lead. And of course we say, here come the judge, Ms. Martina Peterson. I know she's been, uh, she has confronted other people about this, that we want justice for us along among other people, too. Okay, great. 
Um, yeah, I would love to hear any um, information that Sankofa is working on it. Also, um, Evangelist Holzendorf, I know that you are also the president of the Consolidated Social Work Services. Yes. And I'm being a municipal court judge, I have seen, I can't say an increase, but a steady flow of individuals who are suffering with mental health issues, particularly getting younger, um, addressing these issues. They just bring them to court instead of having places that we can really refer them or place them or programs we can put them in to address some of these issues. Um, and if you want to um, give some insight or background or information on, on that struggle and some things that people can consider helping uh, individuals with, uh, that would be wonderful. A lot of the adherence but the main cause of a lot of these homicides are arguments or conflicts. And that happens a lot of times when you have people with short fuses or people with mental health conditions. And so um, if you want to lend some information on that, that would be, that would be wonderful. Okay, uh, yes, uh, this is uh, Esther Hulzendorf. And um, Sankofa for Kansas City, um, we really are trying to network, and we're trying to build bridges of exchange. It's been very difficult. Um, and and, and what, what, what we're trying to get people to understand is that when there is a bridge between the people that takes the people from where they are to the resources that they need, then we can deal with uh, these issues much more effectively. Uh, it, it's, it's very difficult uh, uh, to, to get that understanding, but we're, we're going to continue working on that. Also, uh, the next general meeting of Tancofa for Kansas City is going to be on the 13th of this month at 6 p.m., and it's open to the general public because, as I said, Sankofa for Kansas City is a movement. It is not an organization, and all organizations or entities or individuals are welcome. Um, we, we want everyone to understand that the community can be a resource for itself if we connect people to programs and other services that they need. And the way we do that is by building bridges of exchange, and that way we can all be more effective. But we have to communicate with one another. So uh, Consolidated Social Work Services, we, we do have a uh, master's level social worker, Sister Janae Relifer Davis, and uh, she can be contacted at uh, 816-701-6534, 701-6534. Uh, she can be contacted at that number. And uh, we do have resources that we can hopefully help people get connected to. And we're also trying to help people to understand uh, something called uh, generational trauma. Uh, Brent, uh, Brandon Jones, who is a psychotherapist, has done a work on that, and, and it's called The Legacy of Trauma, Context of the African-American Existence, Brandon Jones, Psychotherapist and Behavioral Health Consultant. It's a wonderful work. If anyone gets an opportunity, go online. You can find Brandon um, online. Look up his work. There are others there that, that uh, I think would be very helpful if people could, could uh, begin to read and to understand historical trauma. And historical trauma is an example of intergenerational trauma, and it's caused by events that targets a group of people. So, uh, you know, the things that have not been identified, we continue trying to do a prognosis, and we haven't done a proper diagnosis. And that causes me a lot of uh, uh, problems within myself, is that we, if we keep treating symptoms, and, and, and hopefully, I don't, know how, I don't know exactly how to do this. I wish somebody could help me with this. How do we get the people to, to, to somehow get them to understand that, that we're dealing with the effects of crime, the effects of violence, the effects of poverty, the effects of lack of education? When do we begin to deal with the root causes? Uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters sent me some information. It's been years ago. And it had to do with an investigation that was done by the Black Caucus. 
And in that investigation, they talked about uh, uh, the crack cocaine and how all of that came to be and the government being involved in that and, and flooding the communities with drugs. And I've got all this information, so I'm just not talking, you know, just to hear myself talk. But there are some very dangerous things that have happened, Judge, to cause these things. And so I understand, because I think I know you from family court, by the way, but I know that these things happen to families deliberate. It's willful. It's intentional. And until we deal with the root causes, we are going to just continue dealing with the effects of all this stuff. And prayerfully, I'm hoping that somehow people will come to understand this is deliberate. It's willful. It's intentional. And our young people did not create this. They inherited it. And so we have to deal with the fact that we have to take responsibility for the decisions that we made. And we have to hold ourselves accountable because we have to deal with the legacy of trauma. Because there is such a thing as toxic stress brain development. People do things without really understanding why they're doing them. And so, you know, until we, uh, until we can begin to work together, there's no, no big eyes and little use anymore. We're all in this boat together, and this boat's got a hole in it. So as I see it, we can either roll the boat, plug the hole, or bail the water. That's, those are about the only three options that I see. So um, that's what we're doing right now is we're, we're trying to work as, as diligently as we can to organize the community so that it can become a resource for one another. And they can call the Resource Center, 7016534. Sister Janae Relaford Davis will return your call if she's not in, or I will return the call, and we'll work with the community any way that we can. You know, um, for people who just tuned in uh, online, uh, this is MC Richardson, and you listen to Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City, and it's um, this organization, which is the United Minority Media Association, the Prime Deal, and you guys have been doing a, a, a tremendous job, and you reach a lot of people, and this is what uh, Judge... Um, and want to get the word out to the community on some things that have making a great impact on our lives. But also, I did not get a response from my question. Should I repeat that? Yeah, repeat that. Okay. We know we got this virus. We know we got the people needing vaccination. We know Missouri is ranked number one of the deaths. And what are we doing? We, as poor people... Uh, we're last to get on board, okay? We're last to do some things. What means and what measures have you put together to increase our participation to keep us here on this earth and keep us alive by taking our vaccine shots? Well, I'm, 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 one of the things is that uh, we're part of also clergy response network, which is a project uh, led by Pastor Eric Williams of Calvary Community Outreach Network. And Pastor Williams has been engaged, or that nonprofit organization is engaged in health and wellness, uh, youth and education. I'm sorry, youth development and uh, HIV and AIDS. So. What has been done in, among black uh, churches especially, we know that uh, Dr. John Modest Miles of Morningstar has opened up his community center as a vaccination site for many people to come in and get vaccinated. And they've done thousands, thousands. And what one of the things that we're doing uh, with the collaboration with UMKT School of Medicine is that we're getting ready to have underway a, um, it's called Take Healthy KC East Side. And that focus is for us to be able to help individuals get educated and have awareness around COVID and the seriousness of it. We have been working with um, the Kansas City, Missouri Health Department since COVID started impacting Kansas City uh, in March of 20, what is it, 2020. 2020. So the goal now is because of the uh, people wanting to get or not wanting to get vaccinated, we understand that 
because of the lack of education, because of the lack of trust in our health care system and in our government, that there are many people for many reasons that do not want to get vaccinated. And we've been trying to build public awareness and education around that. I'm not condemning those that don't want, they just don't, absolutely don't want to, but we want to make sure that they at least have the education around it. And especially now that we're dealing with this Delta variant that is now impacting Missouri, and, and, and you talked about the, I mean, the wastewater facilities that the virus is now coming through and all of these things, it's mandatory for us to educate our community. But when you think about why black folks don't want to get vaccinated, there are a lot of reasons behind that, and, and, and some of those are justifiable, and we just have to meet people where they are. But the goal is to get them educated, and they will know both not just what the vaccines are designed to do, but yes, that you understand the symptoms, the side effects, all of the things that go along with it, for you to make a uh, concrete decision on what is best for you. Okay. Well, let me uh, ask this of the ladies and I guess today, have you guys been vaccinated? I have been
we had a show last month on vaccine hesitancy, specifically in the African American community. And we had Dr. Jackie Sweet uh, on the show, um, who is now a professor at UNKC. Uh, we did reach out to um, uh, the pastor, um, Eric, uh, and uh, he, uh, I didn't get a chance to get a hold of him before the show, but we did reach out to UNKC because there is a program that you all are working on. Um, uh, Pastor Williams is working on to, to increase the number of vaccines um, available in the black community. And um, I know that it's, but it's a problem not only for the African-American community, it's a problem for Kansas City as well. We meet weekly with the health department at the municipal court because we're having contact with, uh, with people every single day in court. And only 37% of Kansas City is vaccinated. Um, and I think it was around 21 or 27 percent of African Americans in Kansas City were, but only 37 percent of everybody in Kansas City is vaccinated. And I have talked to a Pastor Miles, matter of fact, I got my vaccination down at Pastor Miles' center uh, down there. And uh, he, and I even heard Bishop Kendall on the radio asking for people to come in and get vaccinated. So I think there's a concern, number one, of people being able to find a place to go, but there's also concern and distrust about information that has come out about the vaccine itself because it was rushed, the uh, administration that pushed it through. There are concerns about uh, how African-Americans were treated in the past and on those trials where they were given syphilis versus the vaccine. Um, and so there's such a distrust out there. I can't even, I have had argument of an argument uh, with my nephew who doesn't want to get it. Some people have underlying medical conditions and cannot get it. So um, I think that, that that was a whole other show that we addressed all of that on. <clears throat> and so um, I don't know that, uh, you know, we can get into all of that right now. Uh, what I'd like to get back to is the visual and the information about um, uh, the people that we have on and addressing some of these concerns about uh, the violence in the community right now. If uh, there's some additional information that anybody wants to present, I did want to know, um, because I talked about this, and it's, uh, actually Evangelist Holzendorf brought it up, about ed education. I know that Ms. Banks is uh, the founder and CEO of the Spartan Scholars Program, and I wasn't sure if that, how, who that addressed or if there were scholarships you guys provided or support for scholars uh, to get them through school and tutoring or reaching out to the families. But could you give us a little bit more information about that program and how that is uh, assisting in addressing some of these issues you all are working on? Yes, uh, thank you. Um, we, we do all of that. Um, primarily, it was developed to um, get a senior to the front door of college with unrestricted funds um, paid right to that senior. Uh, sometimes uh, there are a lot of, of places that don't understand that, you know, um, getting uh, to the first day of college is a struggle. There are so many things that need to be um, uh, taken care of, and, and those hurdles need to be knocked down, minimized, and sometimes it's a financial situation, and so um, we offer money to our, our um, high school seniors so that they can close that gap and get to their first day of college. Um, we also have um, a literacy piece that we do scholarships for, and that's the uh, Kelly uh, Bolin Memorial Book Scholarship to those, uh, any individuals, K-12, that are in need of uh, tutoring and uh, for actual books that need to be purchased and things of that nature. Um, we are actually uh, expanding on the Kelly Bowling Memorial uh, Book Scholarship to uh, do a, a family grief camp, and that work is still in the development and will be um, held over at Destiny Life Center uh, Church over at 4207 uh, Blue Ridge Cutoff. Um, one of the activities that we have this month will be our fifth annual uh, UROC. UROC just simply stands for Uniting and Reclaiming Our Community. Um, and that is geared towards our youth and our educators. We, that event is free to the public. Uh, we're just inviting everyone out. And again, that's going to be at uh, Destiny Life Center at 4207 Blue Ridge Cutoff from 11 to 2 on Saturday, the 24th of July. Um, and, and we just really, we're going to have uh, a lot of giveaways. Um, folks can sign up and uh, just kind of check what their uh, scholarship need is. And 
we're just going to have a good time, you know, again, just trying to celebrate our youth and our um, educators for another, another hard year of, of school that they just completed. So um, I think that would be, was there a question? Well, I was going to ask you how um, you all were functioning and did you see any struggles that, that students had or families had because of the pandemic over the normal ones that you guys usually deal with? Yes, we did. We One of the struggles was that uh, online was extremely different. Um, there were not just, uh, and I'll speak from the lens of University Academy because I just um, retired from there in October. And um, we, you know, had private donors even donate, you know, computers and things of that nature. One of the things that we saw was a consistent struggle is that they were not um, just receptive of the overall um, online type of learning. Um, it created stress. It created um, that, uh, I would say, ostracism for, you know, particular students when they were at the top of the honor roll, this, that, and the third, and all of a sudden you went to online learning and they couldn't grasp it. Um, it uh, so, again, it created some stress. It created, you know, some talk and chatter that was um, in the form of bullying. Um, so, so there was some dignity issues, you know, with those particular students. One of the things I asked for was some additional counseling, you know, for, for those particular students. Um, so I would just say overall, um, you know, every learner is different, but to not have the additional resources that they need in order to be successful, um, that's a tragedy in itself when you know that there is a major change to, um, you know, your, your students' lives. Um, and then the other uh, piece is that going to online learning, you still have to say, um, when that child needs help, how is the parent able to help that individual? Uh, because learning is different nowadays than when I went to school or my mother went to school. So those were challenges that um, I think all students had and, and probably still do for those that have chosen to stay on the uh, virtual learning tour. Okay. Uh, Pastor uh, Wainwright, I know that you um, have your program, Heaven Sent Outreach Ministry. Are there any specific programs that you wanted to discuss um, on this that you're working on that you think would be helpful for people to know about? Sure. Um, Heaven Sent Outreach Ministry focuses on the collaborative piece, and, and we partner with all of these. Uh, we, we partner with Sankofa. I'm, I'm a board member for Sankofa for Kansas City. Um, we collaborate with Destiny Life Center and, and, and many of the other organizations. And, and one of the other organizations that we partner with is the Hickman Mills Community Alliance. Uh, which Pastor C. Williams uh, is the president of that particular alliance, and we partner. We have what we call an initiative called Lights on KC, and it was taken as a model from Newark, New Jersey, where uh, there was a vice principal of one of the high schools there who actually uh, opened up their school every Friday, every Friday, for young people to have a safe place to come. And they would, whether it was uh, basketball or drama or arts or, you know, just various things, cheerleading, real things. Uh, we wanted to model that here in Kansas City. So we had begun a pilot program here prior to uh, COVID coming. And we had to suspend programming as a result of COVID. So we are looking to resume that, hopefully hopefully have some type of kickoff event in August. And again, that depends on what this pandemic is doing, but um, have some type of kickoff event so that young people will know that there are positive activities going on. Well, Martina, I know that even aside from what anybody wants to do with uh, young people, we know that we have to address, and we don't we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about and address the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. 
we, we don't address it. And Sankofa, you know, uh, the movement has a 10-point plan that was developed back in 2018 where the community came together and developed a 10-point plan that speaks of and focuses on 10 things. And I don't have the information in front of me, so just let me try to do it as best I can. But families is one, community unity, uh, health care, aging, housing, legal and justice system, economic development, information technology, and education, I believe, are the 10-point ten point plan that we develop. And the family situation, uh, whether it's the dysfunction, the single-parent homes, that many of our children are coming out of homes that, for, for lack of a better word right now, that are strongly dysfunctional. And no matter what program these young people become engaged in or involved in, they have to go right back to the environment that helps uh, uh, contribute to their issues. And so somehow we have got to begin to address the family. I know that some years ago, maybe six years ago, the Concerned Clergy Coalition partnered with several other organizations, and we hosted a um, series called The State of the Black Family. Okay, unfortunately, once again, we have come to the closing minutes of our show, and uh, my name is M.T. Richardson. I'm with the United Minority Media Association, and we're looking for members, recruiting members, so if you could, tell the people how you can be reached, as well as if you're looking for volunteers, what should they do? For the Concerned Clergy Coalition, uh, we're always looking for people that want to volunteer, and they can contact us at area code 816-497-4886. And we're also on our Facebook page or our website. Thank you. And for Sankofa for Kansas City and Consolidated Social Work Services, we also, uh, you know, we, we want volunteers. Uh, and you can call us at 816-701-6534. 701-6534. Thank you. And for Pardon Scholars, uh, I'm sure Maria still asked. She may have had to jump off. Uh, so I would say, and I don't have her number in front of me, but I Talk great.
believe any of our show, you go to U.S., you go to Ferguson, USA, uh, Hot Talk Radio uh, homepage, and with the podcast, you can retrieve all our shows. That's from 5 to 6 p.m. And tell other people to listen in. And so we want to get the word out. And also what we need to know is somebody tell us how tonight's rally turned out, okay? Because we want to increase the numbers and get our people to start realizing reality and make things happen in Kansas City. Thank you, MC. Appreciate it. Thank you.